Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and The Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me, and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to the Compared to Who show. I'm Heather Creekmore, and I'm so glad that you are watching or listening today. Today, we are continuing our super popular series, talking to non-diet RDs. Non-diet. Yes, that's right. I said it, friends. I know some of you are holding on tightly to your diets. I know you are. That's okay. Because you know what? There's so much grace for that. God's going to walk you, walk with you on this journey. But today, I'm going to hit you with more. We are talking to Megan Hadley. Hi, Megan. Welcome. Hey, Heather. Let me tell you about Megan. She has, what's your MS in? Is it in nutrition? It is. It's my master's in nutrition. Okay. So she's got an MS. She's an RDN and an LDN. I'm guessing that's like licensed dietitian. Is that Mm -hmm. what LDN is? Licensed dietitian nutritionist. Uh, She's got lots of letters behind her name, (laughs) y'all. So this is going to be a good conversation. Uh, She's a nutrition therapist and she's owner of Simple Nutrition, a nutrition counseling practice in Greensboro, North Carolina. She's also founder of, you're going to like the name here, Fork the Food Rules, a membership for people who've decided not to diet. She believes that all bodies are good bodies and that from cake to kale, all foods are good foods. Although I think cake's a little better than kale, but hey, that's just me. Um, (laughs) After helping hundreds of clients recover from diet culture, Megan knows that when women think less about food and their body and more about what really matters to them, they begin to thrive in all areas of their life. When Megan's not working, she likes to spend time with her husband and two daughters. She loves cooking, traveling, long naps, good wine, and French fries. She finds her strength most with blah, blah, blah. She finds her strength both personally and professionally rooted deeply in her faith in Christ. Megan, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Okay. So I invited Megan because she is someone I follow on Instagram. Okay. Now, sometimes people I follow on Instagram make me feel, uh, And really most of the time I unfollow those people unless I like absolutely have to because they're related to me or something. But Megan does awesome reels that just make me smile. (laughs) And and normally you have this like awesome curly hair. She just got a blowout, she explained to me. (laughs) But your reels are just so fun. And they're so like truth-filled in a grace-filled way, but you just kind of like do, well, you do the little thing sometimes and I can't do the little thing. And if you're just listening and not watching this, the little thing is like pointing to the words on the screen, or you even do the one where you like smash the words. I'm just, I am not young enough to do that yet. Uh, One of these days I'm going to get there, but you do awesome reels. And you had a reel uh, about 
something that we're going to talk about today, which is why do I eat so much at night? Why can't I stop eating at night? And so that's where we're going today. And I can't wait for your answer to that question because I know a whole lot of people listening are like, yeah, that's me. I eat all the things I like. I can do quote unquote, every dietitian, every non-diet dietitian cringes here. I do quote unquote good all day long. And then I eat all the things. So Megan's going to help us with that. But first, Megan, tell us your story. Why do you do what you do? (laughs) Give us a little insight into you. Well, it's a big surprise that I'm doing what I'm doing, to be honest with you. Um, I actually quit my job uh, in pharmaceutical sales after working in pharmaceutical sales for six years, actually carried um, medications that would treat chronic diseases like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, eventually type two diabetes. And early on, I'd had some nutrition coursework with my biology degree in undergrad. And so there was an interest there, but you know, as we kept talking to doctors and they were like, you know, the, the lifestyle change word, you know, it's lifestyle change, lifestyle change, lifestyle change. Um, you know, I wish our patients to lifestyle change. And so I said, well, I feel like I want to make more of an impact on folks um, than what I'm doing now and chronic disease was familiar with and lifestyle change is what was being talked about. So I quit my job to go back to school. And I do want to say um, that it was definitely an act of waiting. Like I knew I was supposed to leave it sometime and it was just waiting until I felt God being like, okay, go. And it was sometimes really painful <laughs> active waiting too, because yeah, I yeah. felt like I wasn't here anymore, but still really very much needed to be here at the, at the previous job. And so I quit my job um, and went back to school to get this master's because the, the local program um, that I graduated from only offered a full, full-time daytime program and pursued this master's in nutrition all the while thinking that I would um, you know, help support people and managing their chronic diseases, which at that time, in all honesty, included the concept of weight loss. I mean, that's what we were trained. That's what we were told was the best way to treat, you know, chronic diseases. I don't know what happens for folks that are in smaller bodies that have chronic diseases because they have chronic diseases too, but you mm-hmm. know, that's, that's a right. whole nother conversation. Right. Um, so, you know, Then, um, as I was in school, I actually had my first child. I took a year off of grad school to be home with her and then finished up my last year of grad school and also my supervised practice to become a dietitian. Um, and through that I've started to grow in passion of like child feeding. I was like, this is great. I'm going to help parents with the stress of child eating. And I'm going to do, you know, type two diabetes. Um, I remember running one day with a friend who owns a nonprofit women's counseling ministry town. She doesn't own, she's the, the founder of it. And she had told me one day while we were jogging, she says, we need more eating disorder dietitians in town. I really wish she would go into eating disorders. Have you thought about it? And I was like, that is a calling. And I will tell you what, it is not mine. There's Uh. no way (laughs) that I would ever do this. Um, but because of my areas of interest in nutrition at the time, I actually worked with our, um, local hospitals, outpatient nutrition clinic in my supervised practice. 
And the person who was mentoring me in that rotation had started working with folks with eating disorders. I didn't get a lot of exposure uh, to her clients and her eating disorder work just because of the nature of it with me being an intern, but she didn't introduce me to philosophies of intuitive eating, Mm -hmm. which really made a lot of sense when, when I learned what I learned as it related to child feeding and Ellen Satter's division of responsibility. And that was my training in school. And it just all was making a lot of sense. It wasn't long before I became introduced to the concept of health at every size. Um, I started working with teenagers in um, uh, rural high schools and in clinics in their high schools. And I was seeing folks with eating disorders and I, you know, just, I just started doing it. And then I opened my own practice and my previous mentor couldn't take on any more clients. And she was like, I have an 18 year old with an eating disorder that needs to see somebody. Will you see her? And I was like, if you'll hold my hand, yes. (laughs) Like, can you be there with me? And and I, the first session that I did, although I was so concerned about what I didn't know and how that could possibly harm this precious human in front of me, it was exhilarating. Um, And the work became really exhilarating to me. And it really informed my practice in all areas of nutrition. I feel like when you work with folks who have eating disorders, you start to see how harmful diet culture is and how that's actually preventing folks without eating disorders from becoming healthy um, to actually being able to take care of their whole selves and are causing them to put a lot of time and energy and stress, which we know Mm -hmm. stress is not healthy Mm -hmm. into changing our bodies. Um, and, and trying to use our food and movement to do so. And so that's, that's like my story of how I got here and my food story tends to come a little bit more from, from a place of, um, well, I never had an eating disorder myself. I did get really more attracted to wellness culture prior to becoming a dietitian. I think I was more influenced by the messages we got about things that were harmful in our food, harmful Mm -hmm. ingredients in our food. And that led me to a place of being, um, it was exhausting, you know, trying to figure out if my bread had some ingredient in it that Mm I was supposed to be concerned about and choosing food just became much more laborious. And it wasn't so much about my my body becoming smaller, although, you know, body image was, is always, I think it's hard to be a woman in our society and be confident about your body, (laughs) unfortunately. Uh, But my food story is much more there. And I think through, through the work that I've done over time, I've come to realize that like, that's not healthy. That is actually not healthy. The pursuit of this optimal health is Mm -hmm. not healthy for you. Yeah. Oh, so right on. And I know that there are folks listening or watching today who have kind of gone down that orthorexia road too. Mm-hmm. I know you people that take your own coolers to every meal out. I, I know your story. <laughs> so that's what, that's what Megan's talking about. Um, but yeah, I'm, it's so deceptive, right? Because it's like, well, I'm just eating clean. Like it's healthy. Like that's what God wants from us. He wants us to be healthy and my body is a temple. And so I'm stewarding my temple in the best way possible, but making sure I don't get any chemicals in my temple. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's a bondage. It's, it's trapped. It's a trap too. It's trapped. It is. It really is. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. 
So, yeah, working with people with eating disorders is definitely probably been <laughs> a, a, an interesting uh, assignment for you, shall we say, but it's so important. And what I love, I mean, it's funny for me to hear your story because after watching your reels, like you really know what people who have been down that ED road are thinking like you, you nail it every time in the, in the reels, it's like, Oh yes, I have thought that. Oh yes. <laughs> I have said that very thing. Right. So you, you nail it for not having like a, you know, any kind of full blown ED in, in your background. Oh, Hey, it's November, the month when many of us think about giving and supporting our favorite causes. If this podcast or ministry has blessed you, compared to who could use your sponsorship for the year ahead, there are several ways to give. You can donate through Patreon, or you can use the Buy Me a Coffee program. Even a gift of $5 helps. Go to comparedtowho.me slash podcast and scroll to the bottom for all the links you need to support the show. And hey, if giving money is your thing, no problem. Leave a review. Those five-star reviews are as good as gold. Thanks so much for considering. I'm grateful for you. You know that most of us, at least those listening to the show, have been on a diet or 27, <laughs> maybe even 27 in the last three years. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I want to start with the big question. I, I, I want to ask you this. I didn't prepare you for this question. Okay. Sure. So Go. this is me freestyling. Mm -hmm. Do you think on that we have a bigger problem with weight as a culture because of all the dieting we've done over the last 40, 50 years? You know, I think that that's difficult to parse out because the part of the presentation of our issue with weight in the culture is because the numbers move. I mean, mm -hmm. our, our, the weight in our culture rise, rises as far as like, um, actual large number assessments of our population, mm -hmm. whenever the numbers change. And we also see this with blood pressure, type two diabetes, um, and cholesterol is that the numbers shift and suddenly we're like type two diabetes is on the, it's on the mm. rise. And actually, mm. since that was my area of background, it's like, when I go back and look at the CDC data sheets is that there's really no change in the rate for things huh. like type two diabetes really? and, and really like the prevalence is similar to eating disorders. And I wish that's what we were talking about more, but we don't have a pill for that. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we can't sell a pill for eating disorders. And it also makes us have to like steer down the barrel of the gun of the $70 billion diet industry. Right. 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 So there's a lot threatened there. Um, but I do, I, if we want to look at in like small bites of data, I mean, sure. I think there's a potential that, you know, because dieting can shift our metabolism and slow our metabolism down. We know that from like the biggest loser studies, mm -hmm. right. Um, that sure, perhaps, um, but I don't want to lose sight of the fact that there have always been thin and fat bodies in our society and there always will be like there is right. their body diversity is part mm -hmm. of our design as humans, just like we see it in the redwoods and the trees to the, like the skinny little maple. Like it's <laughs> right. Just, we see it in the, in the big, uh, my sister's got a bulldog too, you know, the little Pomeranian. I mean, there is diversity in all of creation and size. And I think that, um, I don't want to lose sight of that as part of that conversation. So could, could some bodies be, be bigger than maybe they would have been if, if nobody had ever dieted and affected their metabolism? Maybe we don't really know. Mm -hmm. Um, are there bodies out there that are being held smaller than they're designed to be? 
100% and a lot of energy is being put into that. I know that's one of the reasons why, you know, you have this podcast is, yeah. It, yeah. is it like, it takes up a lot of space and really impacts our quality of life when so much energy is put at making our body smaller or maybe holding it and keeping it there because there's a lot of fear of becoming bigger. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about the holding it and keeping it there? Like, I know what you're saying, but let's spell that mm-hmm. out a little bit clearer. Like, what does that mean? What does that, well, you said kind of what it looks like, but can you, can you fill that yeah. out a little bit more? It looks like a feeling like you have to be super careful about your food. Um, and your and maybe your when I say movement, I mean it, that would include what a lot of people constitute as exercise. I like to use the word movement because that's so much more positive. But exercise is like, I guess you know we can use the word in this context because it feels so much more confining. And that's what like holding your body and keeping it there is. It's kind of confining, and it means that you might limit your um, opportunities to be able to enjoy different types of foods. We call that restriction. We we'll call it you know not eating as many foods might feel satisfying to you, being careful about the amount that you eat at any time, uh, you know, limiting your portion sizes or, um, you know, paying attention to your overall intake of counting anything that could be calories, that could be macros, that could be, you know, eliminating anything in the effort to try to keep your body at a certain size or moving in a way because you believe that will help keep your body at a certain size. And especially when it takes on kind of this feeling of like, you have to be careful to not let your guard down, you know, like I have to be, I have, I don't really feel like doing this, this walk or this jog or whatever today, but I have to, because if I don't, it makes me anxious that like I've messed something up and same with, and same with food. And so somebody might say like, well, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not trying to lose weight, but there is a lot of effort that gets put into sometimes trying to make sure your body doesn't change. But like every day we wake up, our body changes, mm. right? Yep. Yep. Every day we wake up. So we're fighting against that every day. And really every day we move away from the diet culture, beauty standard that's put before us because, yeah. you know, aging's not part of <laughs> Right. That, right. And, right. and it's normal. Like, let's just talk about it. It's normal for bodies to get bigger as they age. Like that's right. just a normal part of the process. It's normal for where you carry fat to shift around on your body. And, um, especially for like, you know, women where fat shifts around into our stomach and stuff that actually helps us like with our hormones as we get older, but we're told we're supposed to, to fight against that. So, um, you know, trying to hold our bodies can take a lot of effort because our bodies are supposed to change. They're like living organisms. They're going to keep changing. That's all there is to it. (laughs) Yeah. I love that one. Then also, and I'd love for you to speak into this. I did an episode with uh, my friend, Aaron Carey, who's an integrative nutrition coach about what happens in your brain when you are severely restricting. And I know you did a reel on that too, but Mm -hmm. like the mental health implications of trying to keep your body the same, uh, a right right size. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. So, uh, restricting can actually affect, like if you're, if you're malnourished, it can actually affect the composition of your brain, like your, your gray matter versus white matter. And we aren't going to get into all that, but I think when you're talking about a real, like when we restrict our intake of certain nutrients or overall what we're eating, if you're somebody who struggles with anxiety or depression or OCD, it will 100% exacerbate your symptoms from those things. It will absolutely 
Does it cause anxiety, depression, or OCD? No, that's not what I'm saying. But do hear me that that's something I always try to help my clients tune into, you know, when they're noticing that those things are getting worse. And what's challenging about that is that if you have depression or anxiety, you know, sometimes you don't feel like eating when your symptoms get exacerbated. Mm. So it, then it really kind of creates this thing that you have to work your, your way out of mm. by eating to take care of yourself, even though you may not feel like eating or feel hungry, but also just your mental function during the day can really be compromised, especially when we're restricting carbohydrates, like foggy headedness, like the detached head feeling that happens, the lack of concentration, having to read the same thing, like over and over and over again, (laughs) in there, headaches, um, being hangry, just being more irritable is such a, all these things are side effects of not having your heart carbohydrate intake met and having low energy. Like I, sometimes folks will come up to me at random, which I don't give like nutrition advice at random, but like, they'll say like, what do I need to eat for more energy? And I will guarantee you nine times out of 10, that if I, at some point get to assess that person's intake, it's that they're not eating enough they're not eating enough and they're not eating enough different types of foods, meaning like something like carbohydrates or fats or something are being restricted and that low energy feeling and that headachey feeling. And we kind of get told that this is like a side effect of maybe we're eating something that's making us feel Mm. that way, where I think um, most of the time it can be addressed by eating more. Yeah. And I've seen that. I mean, those are some of my favorite client experiences is those that that does come easy to uh, my folks without a diagnosed eating disorder and they're willing to go there. They're like, okay, I'll try it. And I even had somebody say to me one time, like, I mean, I gained a few pounds, but if I get to feel this much better, I'm there. Like, I don't, I don't care. Cause I feel so much better. I love that. I mean, that's my experience. You know, mm-hmm. when I would do the, like, let's see how long I can go without eating all of those brain symptoms. Right. And then what would happen is at the end of the day, I would get home or, you know, maybe, I mean, most of my days I am at home, but around three o'clock, four o'clock, right before dinner, I'm cooking dinner and I'm eating the entire time I'm cooking dinner. (laughs) I make dinner and I eat twice as much as any person needs for dinner. And then I need dessert. I need something sweet. I need something Mm -hmm. else that's sweet. I need another snack. And I'm eating nonstop between 4 PM and 8 PM. And someone who's IF all in would say, Oh, you've got a great like window, but you know, like I wouldn't feel well when I went to bed. Mm-hmm. And I really don't believe just from the little bit of science I've studied that, that my body was designed to consume that many calories in that short amount of time. <laughs> right. Like that's a lot of calories for four hours. My digestive system did was like, did we're like, seriously, Heather lay up. <laughs> like We need a break. We need to just take a breath. But I know in that the problem was not getting the energy all day long. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to steal your punchline, but tell us before this first part of this episode is over, how do we stop from eating all the things at night, all the things. And so I want everybody to listen up (laughs) because like, if you are going to say to me, Megan, I eat plenty during the day. I probably eat too much, but this is, this experience is a symptom 
of not eating enough during the day. So even if you believe that you are eating enough during the day, something's missing. And like, that's what, you know, I would want to explore and help you like be your tour guide for is to be able to say, like, is it that you're missing the like amount of food that you need? Is there a certain like type of food that your body's missing out for? Like, is it carbohydrates? Is it fats? You know, is it proteins? Is it, it's usually not protein since that's got, it's the glory macro of the moment, right? Um, you know, is it satisfaction? Like, are you just, are you eating stuff that's just feels like you're getting the job done of eating good? And you, it's really not doing it for you. Like you, you, but you're like, what I shouldn't eat those foods. They're bad. I'm like, no, they like the satisfying foods, the foods that make you feel like you've enjoyed eating are so important to you because if those aren't present in our diet, we're going to need to find that elsewhere. And so, you know, that experience of coming in there, and this is my teachers out there, teachers, this is happening to you all the time because the day is not designed very well for you to be able to eat. Like you, you have to work hard to make sure you're eating during the day. Cause you're at school early, you know, we see this a lot with our teachers and you come in the door, you need the crackers or the candy or the cookies and anything that's going to get energy into you quickly. You're going for, even though, you know, dinner's coming. And if anybody's ever had that experience of like, well, I felt like I ate enough, but like you're standing in front of the pantry and you're like, why am I even here? I'm not hungry. But even though maybe you had enough to eat in that moment, you didn't still, you didn't have enough to eat in that day. And so your body is made for survival. And so it's going to tell you, your brain is like, Hey, but we're trained in diet culture that that's a bad thing that our brain wants to look for food. No, 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 no we want our brains to tell us that it hasn't had enough. So even if you're, even if your tummy is like, you know, it's satisfied, it means that you can play around with that. That's a huge opportunity to experiment. Like, well, what if I add this thing in at breakfast or what if I add this at lunch or what if I bring some cookies with my lunch or some chips or something Mm -hmm. like that? Like, what if I bring these things? Does that shift the way I experience when I come home? What if I had a snack in the afternoon? What if I have a snack before? before I hit that three o'clock time, you know, what if I, even though I I just ate lunch at one, what if I'm having a snack at two or two 30, does that help me? You know, there's all kinds of ways to play with it to find that works for you, but it is absolutely a symptom of not having enough during the day or not having enough satisfying foods during the day. That's, that's so good. And hopefully super helpful to someone listening. I want to continue our conversation. So if you're enjoying this, you're going to have to listen again next time. Megan will be back. Megan's contact info is all in the show notes, but listen to the next episode too. Okay. Cause we got a lot of good stuff to cover. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. 
Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.